It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Chapter 6 of The Convict by G.P.R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 6. I will beg leave with the reader to proceed the party which was just setting out from Brandon, and to give one more scene at the house of Mr. Clive, which took place shortly before their arrival. About a quarter of an hour after Edgar had turned his steps homeward, Mr. Clive entered the room where Helen was sitting, and placed himself in a chair opposite to her. But upon Helen's part there was nothing like a bashful consciousness. She had been accustomed to her lover's coming and going for years. Their mutual affection had sprung up so gradually, or rather had developed itself so easily, that she could hardly mark the time when they had not loved. There had been none of those sudden changes which startled timid passion, and neither her father nor Sir Arthur Adelon had ever shown any of that apprehension in regard to their frequent meeting, which might have created anxiety, if not fear, in her own breast. She therefore looked up frankly in her father's face, and said, "'Edgar has been here, my dear father, and unfortunately Mr. Norris opened the door and came in while he was in the room. But I am sure there is no cause for apprehension, for I begged Edgar not to speak of it to any one and he gave me his word that he would not. Mr. Clive cast down his eyes and thought for several minutes without reply. But then he murmured some words, more to himself than to his daughter, saying, That is bad. That is unfortunate. Not that I doubt, Edgar, my Helen. But I must speak with Norris about it, for he is somewhat rash, and he may show himself to others not so much to be trusted. That I do trust Edgar, you may well judge, my dear child, otherwise he would not be so often here. He spoke, gazing at his daughter with a look of some anxiety, and with the white eyebrows drawn far over the eyes. I know not that I am right, my Helen, he added. I almost begin to fear not. I feel I should only be doing right if I were to bid this youth make his visits fewer and shorter, and yet I would not pain him for a great deal for he is kind and good and honest. But it must come to that in the end, Helen. Oh, no, my father, no, cried Helen Clive imploringly. Why should you do that? Listen to me, Helen, said her father. You have not thought of these things fully. He loves you, Helen. I know it, cried Helen Clive, with the ingenuous blood mounting into her cheek. I know it, and I love him. But why should that prevent him from coming? Why should that deprive us of the very happiness which such love gives? Because it cannot be happy, my Helen. 
answered her father because he is a gentleman of high degree and you the daughter of no better than a yeoman my father said helen rising and laying the hand that was uninjured on her father's arm have i not heard you say that the blood of the yeoman clive is as pure as that of the noble house of adelon and perhaps of older strain is not the land you cultivate your own as much or more than his that he farms to others there is not that difference between us that should be reasonably any bar but even suppose it were so what could you seek by separating us your own happiness my child answered clive gravely by making us both miserable some years months or weeks before we otherwise might be so rejoined helen eagerly that is all that can be done now we love as much as we can love and so long as we are doing naught that is wrong violating no duty to you nor to his father surely we may enjoy the little portion of happiness that is sure and leave to the future and god's good will the rest she spoke eagerly and with her colour heightened her eye full of light and her beautiful lips quivering in their vehemence and clive could not help feeling a portion of a father's pride rise up and take part with her he could not but say to himself as he gazed at her in her beauty she is worthy to be the bride of the greatest lord in all the land well helen well he said using an expression which was habitual to him i must trust you both but remember my child in making over to you the care of your own happiness i put mine under your guardianship also for mine is wrapped up in yours but hark there is norris pacing to and fro above i must go and speak with him that wild spirit will not brook its den much longer and walking to the door he mounted the stairs to the room which was just over that where he had been sitting ah you are come back at last clive said the strong hard-featured man whom i have before described well what have you heard were all those movements that alarmed you so much last night but mere idle rumour no answered clive but i find you were not the object a party of smugglers was taken farther down the coast and the intimation which the officer so mysteriously hinted to me they had received referred to that affair to be sure replied his companion they all think me in the united states no one but yourself has ever known that i was in france the while i can't help thinking my good friend replied clive that it might have been better for you to have stayed there you know you are in jeopardy here and may be recognised at any moment well well clive answered his companion i will not jeopardise you long it is my intention to go on this very night so do not be alarmed i thank you much for what you have done which is as much or more than i could expect and i am only sorry that poor helen has been injured in my cause clive looked at him steadfastly for a moment or two with his usual calm steady grave expression of countenance and then replied with a faint smile it is curious norris how whenever men are blamed by their best friends for a foolish action when it is committed or warned against a rash action which they are determined to commit they always affect to believe that there is some personal feeling actuating their counsellor and persuade themselves that his advice is not good not by trying it on the principles of reason but by their own prejudices i have no personal fears in the matter 
i anticipate no danger to myself or to my family neither should you think so last night i was ready to have shed my blood to ensure your safety which i certainly should not have been likely to do if i were a man full of the cold calculations you suppose well 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 clive said norris interrupting him i was wrong i was wrong think of it no more but one meets so much cold calculation in this life that one's heart gets chilled to one's best friends my coming might indeed as you say be what the world would call rash but every attempt must be estimated by its object and till you know mine do not judge me hastily where i was wrong was in not giving you sufficient intimation of my intention that you might have prepared and let me know when i could land without risk that the man i sent over to you was delayed one whole day for a passage and that day made a great difference it did answered clive for i had barely time to send my own two men away to a distance and get others in whom i could better trust to help me i had no means either of giving you warning that there was a great movement at barhampton and that the officers were evidently on the lookout for some one on the coast you only said that you would land in the cove between nine and ten and that i must show a light due east of the cove mouth to guide you as there was no moon i had nothing for it therefore but to make ready against attack in order that you might get back to the boat if you were the person these men were looking for but now norris i am very anxious to hear what is your object for it should be a great one to induce you to undertake such a risk it is a great one 